Hello friends, and welcome to Crunch Time with Caitlin. This episode, I am joined by Brittany Mollis, the co-host of That's What Be Said podcast, and the co-founder of Girl Gang CLA. We're going to talk about the Browns, we're going to talk about podcasts, and all that type of fun stuff. So, I hope you stick around, and I hope you enjoy. So, I am joined by Brittany Mollis of That's What Be Said and Girl Gang CLE. Thank you for coming on Crunch Time with Caitlin. Of course, Caitlin. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, so to start off, I wanted to talk to you about your podcast, That's What Be Said, and Girl Gang mm-hmm. CLE, and like a little bit of the backstory, because I feel like you've mentioned it a few times, but on like on your actual podcast, but you know, why'd you start it? Um, why'd you start Girl Gang CLE? And, and I have a few questions kind of piggybacking off of, you know, some of the things that you might answer or things that you might say. Sure. Um, so what happened with that's what B said was last year, it was like, I don't know, probably August of last year. I tweeted out, you know, just a random tweet. And I was like, Hey, like if there was an all girl sports show, would, would you guys be interested in listening to it? Just to see like what kind of feedback I got. And the responses were like super positive. So, um, Blue Wire contacted me and asked if I'd be interested in doing this because, you know, Meredith, our mm-hmm. producer, um, and like, she's basically a co-host too. She's, you know, and that's funny too, because she, I don't think originally she was supposed to be, like, she just wanted to produce this show, but she's so good and so smart and so knowledgeable that we're like, all right, Meredith, like, we want you talking every week. <laughs> but um, so, you know, she got involved and then I told the the guy who runs the podcast network I was like I'm only gonna do this if I could do it with Brie and I I've never met Brie at this point like we had never met in person we worked together at big play like on you know writing little articles and stuff Mm -hmm. but that's pretty much it so I contacted Brie and I was like hey like do you want to do this podcast with me and she's like oh absolutely let's do it so you know it was just Something we like to think of it as just like a bunch of girlfriends talking about sports, which is something that we would do anyway, but we just basically record it. Um, and then Girl Gang Cleveland, that came to be because we sort of felt like we reached a point where our content could live somewhere on its own if we wanted it to. And we had both been in positions before where there's not a really nice way to say it, so I'm just going to say it. They sort of take advantage of uh, like our following. Mm-hmm. So we would you know, put content out for other people, and we wouldn't see really an upside for us. So you know, we wanted a place where our own stuff could eventually just live. Because um, you know, I don't know how our Blue Wire contract is going to come up pretty soon. And you know, we want to get more into writing articles or maybe like doing some sort of videos and whatever, like, you know, I I don't really know the plans, but we wanted our own space so that our stuff could just be on its own. Um, So that's why we started Girl Gang Cleveland. And eventually we'd like to get more active on it, but you know, Brie has two little ones. I work full time and, you know, I do a lot of other podcasts too. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just, it's there for when we have more time and we're able to do more things with it. 
Well, I feel like you kind of answered, you know, a couple of my questions. Like, are you going to, are you planning on like expanding to more like articles or blogs or even like bringing in more people under the girl gang CLE banner kind of thing? Yeah, I would love to. One of the ideas that we had was um, maybe doing like local business, team up with them, advertise for them, do things, you know, just to get everyone involved. We want businesses involved, um, you know, other writers eventually, um, other content creators, like that would be wonderful. And I think that's the goal in the long run. Um, but again, that just depends on when we have more time to dedicate to it. But um, right now we're doing the early voting challenge, which is fun. So that's something that we're currently doing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And you're also doing the, uh, the was it the draft, is it DraftKings or is it FanDuel? Yes, yes. we do or? that every week, which is a good time. I was, <laughs> the first week that we did it for, it was a dollar buy-in. And I actually did, I, I won that week. And then last week, um, where did I finish? Like 45th, I think. So it wasn't great. Honestly, the, the time that I won, it was such a fluke. And I knew at that moment, I was like, that's never going to happen again. I'm never going to get even close to that ever again. Yeah. And it's kind of funny, you know, you bring that up uh, for, for last week. I think, I think my boy Derek said he won. So. Oh, did he? Yeah. I, or he said he was winning at one point. I don't, I didn't get an update, but it was, it was after the game and he goes, I think I won. And I go, I, I don't know. I don't. You know, oh I, my I gosh, have you played with us yet? No, 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 no. I don't, I don't gamble because I could get hooked into it. So it's best to, <laughs> it's best to stay, stay, stay out of that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Don't, don't get, don't get jabated. I've, I, you know what? I was kind of like that too. Um, the only other thing that, like, I've never bought like, even like a scratch off ticket mm -hmm. because I was like, I can't gamble. I'm not lucky. Like none of this, I, I can't do any of it. But then my uncle got me into like his weekly pool that he does. So I've been doing that for a couple of years and like, I don't pay for it. So he puts in $20 and you can win up to like $1,500, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so we do that every week and I just, you know, pick the games, which is fine. That's like, that's enough for me. I would not do more than that. And then the DraftKings one, which is like a dollar a week. So I'm like, meh, go ahead. Yeah. I, I feel like if I win, like even just a little bit, I'll, I'll just get hooked. <laughs> I come from a family of degenerates, so <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get jabated too much when it comes to that. Um, Caitlin. Let's see. Listen, you could, you could draft for me any week. How's that? I, I Well, I want to say I got you, but then that means, well, actually that would mean, that would mean I'd beat my friends probably so that I'm, I might, I might hit you up on that offer. There you go. Um, so, yeah. So, and I bet you're in this, going back to like the Girl Gang CLE, where you you want to add people and stuff, but you also don't want to become the thing that you also hated while, you know, you don't want to take advantage of people. So exactly. I actually understand. I, it, that's actually pretty admirable because I bet there's a lot of people who would, you know, something like, like a big play or something who, oh, they see, you know, the giant following that they have. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, we'll pr we'll produce content for you, and then in the long run, see that you know it took. I I'm sure you saw the drama on Twitter the past year and a half when it come when it came oh, yeah. to them, mm -hmm. where you know people didn't get what was owed to them or sure whatever. 
year, you know, a year later, it finally kind of resolved itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So kind of transitioning to, to some Browns talk. Um, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. We're sitting here four and two. First time four and two since 2001. But was one in 31 worth it? Was passing on Carson Wentz? Was passing on Deshaun Watson? Was the shenanigans with, with Hugh Jackson and Freddie Kitchens, but also drafting Miles Garrett, number one overall? You know, you trade out of 12, you get the extra picks. You, you basically trade for um, Brock Osweiler's contract. You get that extra second round pick that ends up being Nick Chubb. You end up getting Denzel Ward because of, you know, trading out of 12 for Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. And then we have the, you know, the Baker Mayfield situation, but we'll get, we'll get into that a little bit later. <laughs> but was one in 31 worth it to you? Um, so to me, yes. And number one, if people have paid attention, they know how I feel about Carson Wentz. And that's how I've felt about him since the beginning. So when Sashi passed on him, I was like, you know, I don't think he's a top 20 quarterback, whatever. I was fully on board with that mindset. And that's, I've been consistent about that. And, you know, the past couple of weeks or whatever, I guess he's done better. I don't, I haven't, I don't, I don't follow the Eagles, so I can't tell you, but um, so Carson Wentz, cool with passing on him. Deshaun Watson, that's a little bit of a, a more difficult pill to swallow just because he's so, he's so athletic and he's good, but there's a part of me that still feels like had he have been drafted by the Cleveland Browns that year, I don't know that he would even still be playing football. Um, you know, that that's honestly, I don't, they had a history of taking quarterbacks and sort of destroying them. And I, to me, I don't think Deshaun Watson would have um, made it through Hugh Jackson. I really don't. So I'm fine with that. I'm fine with passing on both of them. Um, one in 30, like uh, uh, it's tough to look back and think that we were that bad, you know? Yeah. Like be, one it, in 15 and one in 16 and you look at it and you're just like, Oh, that was so miserable. But uh, I, I've explained this the other day. I tweeted about the Jets, and I said, you know, to me, the the 2020 Jets are the most dysfunctional franchise I've ever seen, like from top to bottom, just total dysfunction. And people are like, oh no, the 0 and 16 Browns—they are far worse. The thing about the 0 and 16 Browns is that they were bad. They had, you know, relatively no talent, um, but they also didn't get blown out that many games there were at least three four five winnable games where they stuck around for most of it now it's very hard to go 0 and 16 and they found a way to do it but you know I don't think that season was as hard to watch for me as it was for most people um Hugh Jackson (laughs) and Freddie Kitchens I think in order to get to exactly where we are today, everything had to happen the way that it did. And it's unfortunate because, you know, a lot of it was painful. But, I mean, if you're happy with Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski 
and you know D Podesta, if you're happy with that alignment, I think you had to go through all the trash in order to get to that alignment. So overall, yes, I'd say it's worth it. What about you? What do you think? So I've I've talked about this a few times, and I think I think it I for the most part I think it was. So when you look at you know the Miles Garrett draft, mm-hmm. um, you trade out of you trade out of two, you you collect assets because you know looking back on that team, what what Ray Farmer did was the exact opposite of what Sashi Brown did. He spent a mm-hmm. lot of money on a lot of aging pay- players like Dante Whitner, Brian Hartline. Uh, uh, Carlos Dansby, like a ton of money on guys who ended up being retired after, you know, a year stint with the Browns or a Mm -hmm. few years stint with the Browns. Then you, but then you also look at the play from like 2017 when they went one and 15, they won the one game, but they, they were basically in every single game. Like they, if it wasn't for a fluky penalty for, uh, I think it was like Terrell Pratt, was it Terrell Pryor? Like he had like a ridiculous penalty where he put the ball down and it hit the uh, the Ravens player and it was an unsportsmanlike penalty and it cost mm-hmm. him 15 yards. And then like the next day, the kicker got hurt. So they had to bring in Cody Parkey who, you know, and he ended <laughs> up going three for six and the Browns lose in overtime. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like a lot of those little things. And then, so I, I was all about the... I guess the, um, you know, trading draft picks for assets because that team was just so depleted. Now, Mm -hmm. I think any other coaching staff wins more than one game in 32. Like, to think think that Hugh Jackson got that third year with a rookie quarterback, and we'll get into all that, is just, is mind-boggling. I can't. It's so mind-boggling, and especially with somebody like John Dorsey, who they were going to clash anyways, and then he brings mm-hmm. in he brings in Todd Haley as an offensive coordinator. It is just big yikes. And then even the 0-16 year, like, like you said, most of those games were close. Even mm-hmm. like, I remember the Green Bay Packer game, where oh my gosh. we just literally got killed by screens the entire mm-hmm. game. And I was a Deshaun Kaiser truther. I was all, I was hashtag get wiser, draft Kaiser. I was all about it. When they drafted him, I'm like, yes, let's go. It was, it was me and, and, and Pat at training camp almost getting kicked out because we were trying to get Deshaun Kaiser's uh, autograph right at the end of, right at the end of training camp. I love camp. this so much. So we were, you know, we, we were all in on Kaiser and man, did they ruin, they ruined him. They ruined his career. They really like, if he ever had a, a, an, even a shot at having an NFL career, Hugh Jackson destroyed it. And he did it so willingly and voluntarily. He was just like, okay, I know this guy's not ready. I know I shouldn't play him, but I'm going to do it. And I, I think he did it out to, of spite. Yeah, out of spite, like 100%. And like the balls on that man to do that, first of all. Because, yeah. I mean – and god poor Deshaun Kaiser I really I genuinely I know everyone like makes fun of me because I always you know stand for him but I really genuinely feel bad for the guy because I mean he to his credit he played hard every single game that he was in even the the very last game of the season you know they were playing the Steelers he was still out there like trying his hardest and he had he had no direction. He had no coaching. Like he was just like, 
little kid out there, mm-hmm. I, you feel bad for him. You feel bad for what Hugh Jackson did to him. And that's something I'll never forgive Hugh Jackson for. That's probably my number one complaint about Hugh Jackson overall. And, and especially like start, well, number one, I understand starting him because if you're going to be bad, let's just see what you got. And he was a second round pick. And if it's a waste of, waste of a pick, it is what it is. If you're mm-hmm. bad and you're bad enough to get the number one overall pick, like the Browns were, like they were actually, they, they were probably going to be anyway, no matter who was going to start, you know, they, you know, they were obviously not an 0-16 bad, but they were definitely a number one overall pick bad. Um, mm-hmm. But to, but to start, I, I was all about starting him, but then to bench him and then bring him back mm-hmm. and then bench him again. And it's just like, where's the consistency yeah. when, like you're you're just killing this guy's psyche. Like yeah. Like what like like what are you doing? That and, was bad. And you know I was at a lot of those training camps, and it wasn't even close how Deshaun Kaiser was just better than everybody else. And I think that's just a detriment to not only you know Hugh Jackson. Well, I guess maybe maybe a little bit of credit that he actually had the 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 guts to start him because he was the most talented player on that roster. I mean, cause it was like Cody Kessler and, and Kevin Hogan, mm-hmm. but, and, but also like, really, you couldn't keep Josh McCown around for one more year. Like you just released right. him and then he goes to the jets and, you know, he, he plays pretty solid for, for a jets team. And then he's there as a backup for Sam Darnold and, you know, Sam Darnold's rookie year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just, so I think we agree that one in 31 overall, was worth it. Were you a John Dorsey fan? So as the as it was happening, yes, because I was like, okay, cool. You know, you you get your quarterback. They, you know, you get you you take Denzel Ward, and then you get Nick Chubb, mm-hmm. and you know, you go out and you get a wep- You get weapons like Jarvis Landry. You get someone like, um, you know, Terrence Mitchell because that like that defense was depleted also, but then you also kind of in hindsight look at it and it's like well you know why'd you get rid of Darren Fells for your guy Harris because he was a free agent mm-hmm. like Darren Fells is out here catching touchdowns for Deshaun Watson in Houston mm-hmm. like almost every week so it's like why would you why would you cut him why would you you know obviously that Austin Corbett pick looks like a big yikes but in hindsight you know he he ends up trading a seventh round pick for Wyatt Teller and look how good he's been. And even, and even Corbett, like right now he's starting for the Rams and he is pretty solid. So, you Mm -hmm. know, I I guess Corbett's one of those things where, you know, he was like, Oh, he's going to be the, our center of the future, but let's put him at guard and let's put him here. And it's just like, there wasn't a consistent spot for him. Kind of like Cam Mm -hmm. kind of like when we drafted Cam Irving, where he's like, is he going to be, you know, Joe Thomas's replacement, but then is he going to play center or guard? And they kind of just, there's no consistency. So I think when it came to all that, um, probably not. And then obviously all the infighting from last year. And then the, then the, you know, the, the, the lack of a coaching search from last year was just awful. I mean, I don't even want to, but that's the thing, like, say we hire Kevin Stefanski, and this kind of translates into, you know, one of the next topics. But even say we hire Kevin Stefanski, he still has to steal, deal with John Dorsey last year, if we hired him last year. He's, he probably doesn't have Bill Callahan as the offensive line coach. 
mm-hmm. which which has been huge for the Browns. Absolutely. Um, so there's a I guess again there's a lot of little factors in to where we are now where I think. You know, I guess overall one in thirty one was worth it. Yeah, because you look at all the things like I I was never a big John Dorsey person. Um, I think that's pretty clear. But you look at all the pieces that he was able to get. And like, I'm very thankful that he did it. Like he was very aggressive about that too. So thank God for that. Um, but yeah, like, like you said, it was worth it overall just because everything that happened had to happen for us to be exactly where we're at now, I think. And if you're happy with, with what they have now, if you're happy with the alignment, if you're happy with the coach, the GM, you know, the, the Podesta at the top, like if you're happy with that, then you have to accept everything that, that led you to this point exactly. So I'm good with that. And even if it was just ridiculous football that we had to deal with, like my goodness. And I guess <laughs> talking about ridiculous football in, you know, an enigma, Baker Mayfield, because he's the most confusing player probably I mean definitely in the NFL right now and I think Mm -hmm. you can make an argument maybe in NFL history a former number one overall pick who's had four different head coaches in three years three Mm -hmm. different systems plays he 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 obviously struggles at times big time his lows Mm -hmm. are in the basement his highs are like a top five quarterback mm-hmm. yet there's still like those little things where he'll barrel he'll bail from the pocket sometimes or mm-hmm. he just doesn't you know look off of his first read and I mean he's he started 35 out of his 36 career games so you expect more from a veteran quarterback basically so yeah. my question to you is how concerned should Browns fans be with Baker and how concerned are you with Baker? Well, I think, first of all, the Browns fans who are completely panicking and giving up on him, I, I don't agree with that. Um, and it's not like I'm a huge Baker Mayfield homer. That's not what it is. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, given the circumstances, you need to ride this out for the year. Um, he, it, by the end of this year, if he stays healthy, if he plays every game, we're going to get a better idea of the kind of player that he is. Because like, as you explained, the, the highs and lows of this guy, are just, they're so all over the place that you see him do things really well. And then you see him do things that just make you shake your head. And you're like, how could you be two and a half years into this league and still be doing this kind of thing like and but I think number one there aren't really any solutions any good solutions any realistic solutions right now for you know replacing him there's no good alternative um I don't think logical people don't actually believe that Case Keenum could be thrown in here and be a better quarterback and it's nothing against Case Keenum but he's you know he's a good backup Mm -hmm. that's what he is um, so these fans that are, you know, slamming the panic buttons and saying, well, he's not the guy, you know, there, if there's no other, if there's not a good solution, then you have, you have no choice, but to just write it out to the end of the season and then evaluate it. Um, I'm not going to say that 
I'm a believer that he can get better. And one thing that I wanted to um, talk about for a minute was, hold on, I'm pulling up the article. So, you know, Cameron Justice. Yep. She wrote an article today. Did you see it about um, like Dan Orlovsky's comments on Baker? I didn't, I didn't read it, but I, I saw it briefly on my timeline. Okay. So there was a couple good excerpts. I think that you will appreciate too. And, you know, it's hard, obviously it's hard for me to evaluate, you know, football players because I try to remember, like, I've never played football, Mm -hmm. you know, like somebody who's played football, obviously they know a lot more than I do. Dan Orlovsky knows, you know, he could write books about this stuff. I, I don't know. Um, so I try to listen to people who've actually been in this position before. And I'm like, okay, what do these people think? And then, you know, she came out with this article today. So um, there's something here. Let's see. This was really interesting. He said, first of all, you have to understand that you don't want quarterbacks to really see people. You want them to see movement and color and rotation. You focus on one person, you're going to see nothing. You want to see everything. So it's really trying to teach quarterbacks that they have that they have to have a 30,000 foot view rather than an up close and personal interaction. And so once you try to see everything, you'll see nothing. You know, it's very vice versa. You want to see everything by not focusing on anything. Cause he was talking about, you know, Baker. <laughs> and I know we all know that he, he focuses in on one person. Like he does that. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was really interesting and something I never really thought of before. You know what I mean? And you know, that's why I, I read stuff by like former players. Um, so he does things that he should not be doing still. Um, but one thing that we talked about on the podcast too, is that Baker sort of seems like the kind of person who really thrives on either having a chip on his shoulder or, you know, that confidence. So the, the, the best Baker, the best version of Baker that we see is the confident Baker. You know, the one that comes in and he's got that chip on his shoulder and he's ready to prove everyone wrong. But I think last year specifically, not only did it really, really hurt his development, it also really, really hurt his confidence. So we're sort of seeing a man work through that as, as well as learning a new system in, in limited time. We're seeing him in you know a, a new regime for the what fourth time so like i think it's only fair of us as fans to be patient see this through just to the end of the season and then you know evaluate what, what you want to do after that but yeah, i'm not th- giving up yeah i think that's extremely fair and i think even i mean if the the, and we'll get into, like, the rest of their schedule. Um, but if the Browns win 10 games, Baker Mayfield's the quarterback of this team next year. Yeah. And unless – and even if some – even if Atlanta releases Matt Ryan or Detroit releases Matt Stafford because, I, you know, obviously Atlanta fired their head coach and mm-hmm. I think Detroit is on their way to fire Matt Patricia. Like, yes, those guys could be free agents, but at the same time – that's, again, another quarterback. Yes, they're veteran quarterbacks, and they should adapt to a new system more quickly. But mm-hmm. that's another quarterback you have to bring in. Then you have a whole quarterback controversy because you still have a number one overall pick in Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. And, like, coming off of 10 wins, it's like and, – and we could watch him watch Baker play. And I say he's better, he's better than Kirk Cousins. 
He's better than, you know, just talent-wise, a lot of these guys. And hopefully, you know, and, and I'm pretty sure most Browns fans think this way, hopefully it's just he gets more, con- he gets more comfortable in, in a system and that, that's consistent. And if the Browns win 10 games, then next year when he has, like, a, a true offseason – Mm-hmm. to understand the X's and O's and to, I'm sure, put more plays in because I don't know how much you can just do that over Zoom and two weeks of training camp for a 16-game season. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure, like, again, th- all those little things. But it's also, like, you, you go back to, you know, like the, his first throw last week where he just doesn't – he just doesn't see Minka Fitzpatrick just sitting there right in the middle of the field and it's a yeah. pick six. Yeah. Or even – or even like the second play, you know, I, I didn't do a, a, a post-game recap for, for this game because what was I going to say? The Browns suck and Baker Mayfield's hurt. Like, <laughs> boom, it's, it's like a two-minute thing. Like, we all know what happened. We all saw it. Like, even the second play of the game, you know, he tries to scramble and yeah. he goes nowhere because he's just that banged up. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, and then, you know, it's also one of those things where, like, would, would you have started Baker Mayfield last week? Seeing what you saw now, seeing what you saw? I probably would not have. I don't think he, I really don't think he had anything to gain from starting. Um, If he was already banged up, you don't want to put him in a position where he could get worse and miss even more time during the season. Um, You know, are you bettering your chances of winning with Case Keenum? I don't know. Or, Or over a banged up Baker? I don't know. Like, to me, I probably would have just said, okay, we have a lot invested in Baker, so I'm going to do what I can, and it's my choice to to protect this guy at all costs. I probably would have started Keenum. Yeah, I'm kind of – I think I'm kind of with you, especially when – obviously you see, like like I said, the second play of the game where he, he can't even – he can't even run for like four yards and then he gets hit in the mm-hmm. ribs and it's just like, Jesus Christ. And then yeah. you have, you know, the, the plethora of injuries the Browns have had this year. Um, sure. You know, Odell is sick and then isn't able to practice for two days. Jarvis Landry was hurt. You know, Baker doesn't even practice until Friday. Mm-hmm. It's just like how, and then you're going up against a Steeler defense that just attacks, like that's all right. they do. And it's just like, what are you doing? But then, you know, but then you'll have the fans, even if Case Keenum plays, you know, mediocre, it's like, well, why aren't we starting him? It's like, well, (laughs) guess what? He's, of course, wow, the Browns brought in a competent backup. All he had to do Do is be bad and look decent. And Browns fans were going to be like, park and start Case Keenum. That's it. The the most popular guy in Cleveland is always the backup quarterback. Always the backup quarterback. Exactly. And, (laughs) And the thing is, we should expect someone like Case Keenum to play all right, because yes. he's a backup, number one. He's been a backup. You know, he's been in a very similar system mm-hmm. before. He's worked under Kevin Stefanski. So it's just like we should expect the Browns. And, and that's a good thing. Like, if Baker does go down, guess what? Keenum can play well at times. Right. And then like, by the time that they put him in, like, uh, Pittsburgh's defense is already playing, like, prevent defense. Yeah. All starters were out. Like it was just garbage time at that point. So we're like, oh, look, the defense. Well, yeah. I mean, th- this isn't the same defense. This isn't. This isn't what we saw in the first half. But you know, again, I have this theory that some people just they're not happy unless they're miserable. So this specific group of people, they 
everything was just nothing was gonna make them happy on on Sunday. So, what do you I do? F- I feel I feel like that's most Browns fans. Like like, like 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 my tweet or like after the game, it's like dog. We are four and two for the first right. time since two thousand one. Yet you guys are it, acting like we're two and four and would rather be talking quarterbacks in the draft and who are we going to hire for a head coach well that's the thing too like I I brought up the point on Sunday that you know again there are no real solutions for this Baker Mayfield I don't even want to call it a problem I don't like conundrum maybe whatever dilemma or whatever it is yeah so I I said like what do you what do you want to do because everyone's like oh tank for Trevor you're already out of that you can't get him four wins is already too many so what's your next? Justin Fields. No. <laughs> and I don't like getting into it with Ohio State fans. So like I try not to. But then like when they keep throwing me this Justin Fields, Justin Fields, I'm like, guys, you got to stop because eventually they're I'm just a crazy gonna... bunch. And I'm they, a Buckeye fan, they? but they they're are, insane. they're nuts. They they're are. Insane. They're absolutely, like they were mad that we, <laughs> that we took Donovan Peoples-Jones in the sixth round. Oh my It's gosh. like, what are we, like, what, like, why are we so upset? Right. Oh, I want good players from good college teams. Like what? Like that makes no sense. And even like a like even like a silly college rivalry. Like yeah, I want Ohio State to beat Michigan every time they play them. Sure. But overall, I want every player in college to do well because number one, they could be they could end up on my favorite football team. They could yeah. end up on the Browns. Absolutely. And, and number one, who doesn't want to see somebody get paid in the NFL? Exactly. Even if they're a bust, like who cares? Like they got paid. They they lived out their dream. Like why? Like why are we? So, why are we haters? They're like kids, basically. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we. <laughs> ex- so weird. They're they're very strange. They're very strange. Um, kind of talking about the Browns and being banged up. What what injury do you think has had the biggest impact uh, so far this year? Because this team is. Oof, oof. There's a laundry list of of injuries. Um. So instinctively I want to say someone on the defense so like you dealt it that that was a, a tough one because I think they were really going to rely on him heavily this year um but I now that these injuries are starting to pile up I'd say man that teller one hurts yeah it does that really hurts I, if I and Nick Chubb too, but you know we still at the end of it you still have Kareem Hunt, um, but without that that line being as good as it was, they're not going to be able. He's not going to be able to find holes the way that they once did. So I I have to say Teller that one's that's tough. Yeah, I would I would say Teller, um, because like especially that that scheme that they run, I mean. The history of that scheme just producing thousand yard rushers, the mm-hmm. in, like the entire history of it. You know, Terrell Davis was like a six round pick. Um, Alfred Morris for uh, you know Washington when uh, when they had RG three under Shanahan. Um, like nobody knew him. You know, obviously Dearness Johnson comes in against the Cowboys and runs for ninety five yards on thirteen carries. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I would probably agree with you because we also saw that in in 2014 when Alex Mack went down you know Mm -hmm. that's when the Browns really started to struggle because they couldn't run the ball consistently and who was the offensive coordinator that year Kyle Shanahan running the same type of system um 
Can you imagine? Could you? Oh my god. Could you imagine if like they just hired him instead of Mike Pen? I mean, I love. Okay, Mike but Pen- then I'm a Mike. Oh, let's. I'm a Mike Pen truther, but like my goodness, Kyle Shanahan. But at that time, nobody was hiring those young head coaches. It yeah. Really the Rams and hiring Sean McVay from that same Kyle Shanahan tree coaching yes. tree, which is just amazing. That whole that whole family just producing. Now, would we have like? You know, earlier we were talking about going one in 31. Imagine if we would have had Kyle Shanahan at that point. Then would we still want everything to be exactly where it is today? Well, yeah, because I don't think, yeah, I don't think we'd take Johnny Manziel in the first round. We probably, we probably take someone like, even if it's like Teddy Bridgewater. I was a Derek Carr true. I was all about Derek Carr. I was like, just take him at 22 or late in the first round. Just take him. I was all, I was all for Justin Gilbert, because like, yeah, we need corners, but like, oh my goodness, that the amount of pro bowlers from that draft, and obviously Browns fans, we go over that stuff all the time. We love to live in the past, but Mm -hmm. my goodness, but like I said, I I would agree with you on Teller, but man, watching 23 on defense every single week and knowing that, knowing that Grant Delphick could be out there flying around, making tackles instead of him. Yes. I mean, he had, did you... I'm sure you've seen it on Twitter, but he had a wide open tackle behind the line of scrimmage 23 last last week against the Steelers, mm-hmm. and he just completely whiffed. I and, mean, and if he and if he takes if he tries to take out Denzel Ward one more time, I swear to God, <laughs> it's like five times already. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're just you trying know, to make the big hit. Just just we, tackle him. We talked about him. <sighs> We try not to pile on him just because we feel so angry that he's in this position because nobody expected him to be. Like, he probably joined the team and he's like, oh, yeah, I'll just be a backup, hang out, collect a paycheck, cool. And now he's like, so much is on him. And he's playing you know, every single snap. Yeah. Like, you can't be good if you're just not good. You know yeah. what I mean? And I, he's just not very good, but. They didn't, when they signed him, they didn't have expectations that he would play such a vital role in, in his defense. And now here he is, he's thrown into everything. And I, I do feel bad for him to an extent. I just, that's why, you know, when I think about what, what um, injury was, was the worst, I dealt it immediately comes to mind because, you know, I mean, we're seeing it. But again, like all of, all of the injuries on defense are, awful but you know I've said this me and my dad talked about this a lot from the beginning of the season we're like you know the defense is going to give up 30 points a game so as long as the offense can put up you know at least 30 points a game we should be fine and you know with the weapons and everything they they should be but man if that offensive line is hurting that's where it all falls apart yeah I think and I mean to just not to bury on 23 but my like if he just didn't play so reckless, I wouldn't be as upset. <laughs> like, you could just be bad. That's cool. But, like, almost putting Denzel Ward, like, five times this year, like I said. Oh, my God. Like, I'm angry right now thinking about it. He looks like he's on special teams all the time. Just running around, reckless, abandoned everywhere. And it's like, oh, man. He he's he's going to get somebody hurt. He is literally playing with his head on fire. And looking at his haircut. <laughs> I mean, that white flame, 
just oh gosh my goodness that is great my goodness um let, let's let's go through some positives mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on kevin stefanski through six games through a a hectic off season with or that really really wasn't one um really no obviously no preseason and really no training mm-hmm. camp but how do you think he's he's done these first six games so the fact that we are four and two right now with literally everything working against him in his first year as a head coach um i can't be happier with what he's done and i don't say that as like you know obviously i've i've been a, a big cheerleader of his from the beginning from the coaching search i said this is the guy that i want to be the next head coach um but one of the reasons i really wanted him and i was really drawn to him as a coach was because he just seemed to have this way about him that was calming which is something that i don't think you know the, these football guys these real aggressive guys they don't um they don't value they don't see the value in that they don't see the value in a calm leader and you know that's one of the things i saw pretty quickly that he was going to bring to the table and i can't say enough how mu- how important that is in this climate right now you know when everything is working against you we didn't have an off season you didn't have training camps you didn't have this 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 um everything was shortened you had to to introduce this new system to this team this is your first go at this this head coaching gig and he's done it and he's done it well enough to get them to four and two i also really like that he he doesn't get too high or too low ever um you never see him get mad you never you never see him get happy either and you know he'll he really shoulders all the responsibility of this team um he's very open about when he makes mistakes we don't have to worry about someone up on the podium talking about driving a bus anymore or you know saying whoop de hell and wearing t-shirts before pittsburgh like you don't we finally have an adult in the room who's now running the show and you know I at the beginning of the season we did these predictions on the show and we like I at this point I predicted four and two uh Meredith predicted four and two and Brie predicted three and three and at that time people were like oh well that's very you guys are being very optimistic like this team could go own four own five like one in five whatever and now we're in a reality of four and two. And it's amazing to me that at that time before the season started, four and two was viewed as really good and really something to strive for as it should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that we're here and we're living it, all of a sudden, like, you know, let's burn it to the ground. That I, I, I can't follow the logic there, Caitlin. If you could help me see the logic there, please. No, what's crazy is I, I actually picked them to go, I think I picked them to be four and two at this point too. I had them, optimistically, I had them just optimistically Baltimore, but I had them losing against Dallas Mm -hmm. um, and I had them losing against Pittsburgh, even though in in my preview, I picked them to win. But again, like I said, that was just all heart. Um, Mm -hmm. But like going back multiple, like things I've said, I said they're going to lose in Pittsburgh and like kind of looking at the the schedule kind of going forward you have 
to play you, you play at Cincinnati. And and this is how I like to break down this the down the 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 rest of the schedule. They're four and two right now. Games that they're supposed to win. Next week this week against Cincinnati, I think mm-hmm. we could agree. Yeah. At Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And then at both New York teams, the Giants and the Jets. Sure. That's eight wins right there. Right there. Mm-hmm. Then you have at home against Vegas, who they're just a weird team, and you never know what yes. team is going to show up. <laughs> yes. And they got to come cross country like that's like a giant thing. Then you have your bye week, and then you have at home against Houston, who's underperformed, mm-hmm. and Philadelphia, and then you also have you know I think you're at Tennessee, and then at home against Baltimore and Pittsburgh. You're telling me that they can't win two of those games against Vegas, Houston, Philly. Tennessee, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. Like, that's 10 wins right there. Yep. Nobody thought, like, I thought the Browns were going to lose against Houston and, and Philly, but, but now they're, they're awful. They're not good. Yeah. yeah. Like, kind of going back to, to, you know, Carson Wentz and, and Deshaun Watson. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not a huge Deshaun Watson fan. I, I, I really wasn't. And, like, he makes these incredible plays, and you're just like, mm-hmm. like, he, in reality, He's just a more athletic Baker Mayfield. He, that's he that's gets, probably pretty accurate, yeah. He, he, <laughs> he, he really – he doesn't really make a lot of uh, – like a uh, go through his reads, really. But he could scramble, so it mm-hmm. adds a whole – a different dynamic to everything. But the thing is, he gets hit so much. Yes. Like every single play. Yes. And then Carson Wentz, I hated Carson Wentz. I was yes. like, I'm, there's no way I'm taking a Division three quarterback from one of the Dakotas. Like, I'm not taking him number two overall. <laughs> it's not happening. No. Like, I, I, I was not a fan. But right now, those, those, te- those two teams are struggling. And Houston can't stop anybody. And looking at that, looking at, you know, after the bye week, you probably have Nick Chubb back that week. Mm-hmm. You... Hopefully everybody gets healthy. Hopefully Teller can play either this week or next week. Pro- you probably do. You, do you play him this week against Cincinnati, or do you? Play I him next I week? probably wouldn't. I really. I mean, Cincinnati. They were you know better last week, but I still think. And again, this is. I don't like to say oh any games must win like you know. Yeah. But if they don't win this, that's gonna be. It's going to be a disaster if they lose to Cincinnati. Oh, this week. without a doubt, without a doubt, because yeah. it's a game that we all expect them to win. There's yes. our actual expectation for this team, and it's okay, Browns fans, that this team is a playoff contender, not a Super Bowl contender, mm-hmm. especially with a rookie head coach and like 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 you were just saying, with a rookie head coach without an off season, with really no expect with, with personal expectations to win, but no mm-hmm. real national expectations to win because mm-hmm. the two teams they lost to they lost to Baltimore they lost to Pittsburgh those yeah. are the third and fourth longest tenured head coaches in the league yes that matters like it does we're not gonna and they they were great at planning for the Browns like they 1000 as they should be like they've been doing this for so long now and on Sunday we were trying to figure out who was the last coach before uh Harbaugh at Baltimore we sat there for like minutes. I think it was um It was Brian Billick. That was it, yep. But yeah, I couldn't even think. I was like, oh my gosh, it feels like he's been there for so long that you don't even remember who was there before him. And then Pittsburgh, they've only had like three head coaches. Yes, isn't that crazy? 
50 years. <laughs> Chuck Noll, Bill Cowher, and, and now Mike Tomlin. Can, can you imagine not. only having three head coaches, like, I, ever? I, how, do, how, how do they not get bored in the offseason? <laughs> right? Like, these coaching searches, I'm all about them. Oh, I'm not, yeah, I don't, I'm not all fun. about them this, you know, not anymore, because I think Kevin Stefanski is pretty good. But, man, like, they're so, oh, man. I just can't it, imagine it, what that feels like. You know, and just kind of right now, I was, like, thinking about it, you know, kind of going back to, like, how why Browns fans are so mad all the time. It, it really is because the draft is our Super Bowl. Yes. Mm-hmm. And now that we don't have an expectation to be bad or an expectation to, you know, our savior is, is going to be one of these first couple picks, it's like mm-hmm. we, have to, we have to be a normal football team. And yeah. draft the players. Grown up football team. Wow. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. <laughs> and kind of going and kind of going back to what, what you said about having an adult in the room, um, mm-hmm. you you got to think having a a younger head coach made this off season a lot easier. Because imagine like a football guy like like Mike McCarthy or someone. No. <laughs> trying to. I mean, does he even know how to work Zoom? Like the, like the GM like the GM for. Uh, the Giants doesn't even know how to work a Zoom. I can't imagine what that would be like. Like, can you imagine like Bruce Arians trying to do Zoom? Like the, these things, just I I can't imagine. What I'm so happy that I don't think that we could have hired a coach that would have done as well with the offseason being the way that it was as Kevin Stefanski has. I really think that that we found the right guy. I think and so funny enough, I don't see too many Browns fans complaining about him anymore. Like I, they complain about Baker Mayfield, sure, but I, over the course of you know the past couple, the, the Ravens game was tough, and fans really slammed him for that. But ever since, I feel like the the talk about oh you know, doubting him as a coach, and I don't think I've seen that as much. Have you? Not, not really. Um, I think yeah. people were, you know, they were upset at, I think, like, throwing it on, was it, like, second down last week or two weeks ago against the Colts when you should have mm-hmm. just ran out the clock. Sure. And Baker takes another hit. But I think overall, I mean, I think it's, hey, I think people realize, like, hey, this scheme is supposed to let 90% of quarterbacks play well in. And if mm-hmm. you're not playing well in that in this system, like that's on you as a quarterback, not the scheme itself. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I gotta give Browns some Browns fans credit on that, because at least they're. But then, but then again, they're just irrational with like their Baker Mayfield takes. And it's just <laughs> like, like what are we doing? What are I'm we just doing? like I'm begging them just to wait, wait it out, give it till the end of the season before you like you know, work yourself into like a stroke a shoot, because yeah. these people are <laughs> like their blood pressure has got to be getting up there just from stressing about a quarterback, a situation that you have no control over. So just wait it out, see how he does for the rest of the year. And then, you know, we, we could decide, but you know, we were just talking about how the draft is like our Super Bowl. You have so many of these fans that immediately like, okay, well, Baker's not working out. We got to draft somebody else they immediately revert back to the draft as if we're going to be in a good position to take a good quarterback again. And that's just not the case anymore. But, you know, I guess old habits die hard. Right. They're not going to stop doing that. And I just, 
I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, well. Um, what was, what was I going to say? Damn it. Anyway. Um, so. Let me ask you a question. Go ahead. About Baker. Sounds good. Well, sort of. It's, it'll be an interesting one, I think. If Andrew Barry were the GM instead of John Dorsey at the time, which quarterback from that class that they took Baker Mayfield was it 2018? Yeah. Which quarterback do you think he would have taken? I would honestly, I would probably say Baker Mayfield because all the advanced analytics, mm-hmm. it all pointed to Baker Mayfield. Ooh, so he was analytics quarterback and football quarterback. Yeah, like interesting. Like Pro Football Focus had them had him their number one quarterback. Oh yeah, he was like their darling, wasn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, and, and it's funny, you know, we see we see Sam Darnold right now in with the Jets mm-hmm. in, in a like you said, and I agree with you, your what your tweet, you know, the this twenty twenty Jets Jets are they oh. might be the worst team in NFL history. Yeah. Just top to yes. bottom. Like trade like like that whole setup is weird. I I don't know how, how much of how how much you know about like their setup, but like they the, the GM hires Gase, right? Mm-hmm. They go through a draft. They they sign Le'Veon Bell last year. Mm-hmm. They go through a draft with this GM, and then they fire the GM. Then Gase brings in his guy to be the head, to be, you know, to be his guy to to be the GM, and then they completely. And then Gase didn't even want Le'Veon Bell. Then just this year, <laughs> weeks before, two weeks before the season, they trade their best player in Jamal Adams. To Seattle, <laughs> and then like just after the game, they just traded a defensive tackle last week. To this I don't is even know. Unreal what Un- they're doing. How does Gase still have a job? I, I have no. He's idea. never gonna get hired again. Once no. he's done, there he's done forever. No, I, have no I don't idea. know. He's still employed. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of people like how do you like how does how does even Greg Williams could be part of two zero and sixteen teams. <laughs> That That's pretty. Hilarious? That is hilarious. <laughs> I need that to happen. Greg, Triple G Williams. That's oh that's what Rajizen calls him. <laughs> Just hol- That is hilarious. But everybody's like, oh, it's not Sam Darnold's fault. Oh, he's got a, a a terrible, you know, head coach in front off. It's like, well, guess what? Baker had the same thing. Right. For two years. Yes. Two different people. Yes. He was around two incompetent regimes. Yes. Totally incompetent. And, totally. and and I'm all for the Jets tanking, and then I'm all for trading Sam Darnold to San Francisco. Because imagine Sam Darnold in that in, with San Francisco and, and Kyle Shanahan, and then oh my gosh, and then Jimmy G can go to like the Bears or something, go home to Illinois or whatever. There you but, go. See, Kaylin, you should be you should be a GM. I really should. I mean, I think so. I I'm an impeccable man player, so I'm just saying. Hello, Browns. <laughs> um. <laughs> But everybody, everybody sees Sam Darnold, and they're like, oh, well, he's good, and he, mm-hmm. sh- he just needs a change of scenery. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen in that draft, I mean, lucky him, gets drafted mm-hmm. to a playoff contending team that's yes. had a head coach and offensive scheme in there. And they, like, they're, they're just consistent. Mm-hmm. And Lamar Jackson, for the dummies who say, well, Lamar Jackson would have been good anywhere. <laughs> he went to the perfect place. He did. He went Absolutely. to Baltimore. 
and it's not just like Baltimore, like being the most, you know, one of the most stable organizations in the NFL. Like I said, they're the fourth, they have the fourth longest tenured head coach, but mm-hmm. they have Greg Roman. Yes. Who is like he, a mastermind. He is a mastermind. And, yes. and, and I say he should, Houston should just give him all the money in the world to be the everything. Just throw all the money at Greg Roman ima- and get him Im- there. Imagine Deshaun Watson with that Colin Kaepernick, San Francisco 49ers scheme. I just got chills. It's perfect. (laughs) It makes too much sense. It is. It's right there. Like, yes. But, but then it's also, would Lamar Jackson be good if, if it's not Greg Roman calling the plays? I, that would be, that'd be good for us Brown fans. Cause I don't, yeah, I don't think Lamar Jackson, but like, uh, and I'm obviously like, I've always been a Lamar Jackson fan and you know, I, I want to see him do well most of the time. I hate that he's on the Ravens because I really want to root for him. Mm-hmm. I don't now, but you know, it would be interesting to see what that offense would look like without Greg there, I think. And if he goes to Houston, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. See, this is why you need to be in the NFL. Just I'm, calling all the shots. I'm making I'm all saying, the moves. I'm just saying. Look, look. Gosh. Again. Sometimes, look, I am 100% almost always right about everything. So, <laughs> this is true. This I, I, is true. I don't, I don't know, I don't know what else to say. This is, this is what you get when you listen to this podcast. You just this get good takes and sometimes <laughs> bad ones. Just don't, those didn't happen. Um, kind of, but going back to the Browns a little bit, wh- what do you think the rest of the season looks like? What is your prediction? Are you sticking with? Because you you predicted them to go thirteen and three. Do you think? Do you I think that's still happening? Or um, I mean, that is if four and two is optimistic, thirteen and three is like I mean that's crazy. Wow, that, I mean wow. that's kind of crazy. Who did you yeah. have them losing to? Um, so I think I had obviously I had them losing to the Ravens and the in the Steelers. I picked both those correctly, and then I think I don't have Meredith has the paper of where we picked. Was it like but Tennessee or something? It might have been. It might have been Houston, honestly. Oh, I think that's probably right. Probably Houston because I, I again, like I'm a big Watson fan, and you know we were looking at this early on in the year. Um, you know, Houston, they they did well last year. They had a good playoff run. Like that was what I was sort of basing off of. So I'm pretty sure I picked Houston and that's why. Um, but yeah, so I don't, I probably wouldn't keep that prediction now. <laughs> I think it's going to be probably closer to, um, I don't 11 and five sounds pretty good to me. Honestly, because, and, you know, I don't want to say, oh, the schedule is easy because the schedule was technically easy, you know, the second half of last year too. And we saw how that went. So I don't want to like jump on that and and start pushing that narrative, but, you know, technically it's not really that hard. I mean, you do have to play Pittsburgh again and you have to play uh, uh, Baltimore Baltimore again, but Tennessee, but let's be honest after that. Yeah. Like, like, like I just said, like I said earlier, there are. I mean, if again, if you expect to win the games you're supposed to win, that's eight wins right there. Mm-hmm. But if you get two or three wins between, like I said, Vegas, Houston, Philly, Tennessee, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh, yeah, you could just get two of those. 
just and it could be and it could be Houston and, and Philly right right off the bye week. Mm-hmm. Man, that could be. I mean, that would be huge. Huge. Mm-hmm. Oh Don't man, 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 man. So to kind of wrap up, you're you're a big Notre Dame fan, and I'm I always am. curious to talk, especially Notre Dame because I think they're the most recognizable sport like college football brand maybe even sports brand mm-hmm. if we're being honest everybody knows who Notre Dame is my mm-hmm. grandma knows who Notre Dame is <laughs> but I mean she's she's an Irish Catholic lady so of course she does there you go but you know how oh, how is Notre Dame doing I don't know and, oh my gosh turn on channel three they're on they're, they're on WKYC they're on channel they're on NBC watch I want to be I your know. best friend <laughs> no you don't but that, <laughs> no you don't but Notre Dame questions. Um, what are your thoughts on Brian Kelly? Do you do you like him as a head coach? Do you want him fired? Do you so I have like a love hate relationship with Brian Kelly and historically I feel like a lot of Notre Dame fans have that because I I have a Notre Dame fan friend and Mm -hmm. I I ask him this all the time. Just like, do you like him? Is he good? Do you want someone better? Like, but go on. I don't mean to interrupt. No, you're fine. It's so hard to you know, we talked about how it's hard to judge Baker for things sometimes because, you know, the, the ceilings are high and then the basement's like to the, the like lowest depths of everything. And you're like, okay, like Brian Kelly. <sighs> so I'd say I've warmed up to him over the past, like, I don't know, year or two. And when I say warmed up to, I just mean I don't actively like <laughs> really dislike him anymore. Um, he's good for getting you, you know, eight to 10 games or eight to 10 wins a year. And that's fine. And it's hard to say that if they had another coach, they would be able to do more than, than what they do just because they hurt themselves with, you know, recruiting, the academic standards are very high. Um, and to, to keep competitive, as competitive as other programs, it would benefit them, I think, to to lower that a little bit, just so you can get more people in there, you know? When the standards are that high, you, you limit yourself. Um, so I can't say, oh, well, you know, bring this guy in and bring this guy in. They'll do better. I don't know that Notre Dame is capable of doing better than what Brian Kelly brings them to do. And it's very hard for me to say that, honestly, because I've never been much of a fan. But one thing I have noticed over the past couple of years is that, you know, we were talking about Kevin Stefanski being a more like a a calm leader. Brian Kelly's head used to explode weekly on the sidelines. And like this was every single game for years. And over the past, and mind you, these are kids that he's screaming at like that to the point where his face was like purple. So I was like, I really don't like the way this guy treats people. But over the past couple of years, he's really seemed to mellow out. And I'm sure it's for his own health reasons, because if he kept going at that rate, he probably would be dead right now. <laughs> um, but, you know, now he's more calm. And I, I listened to him talk after <laughs> the game last week and it was kind of almost refreshing because they won 12 to seven over Louisville. who's like one in three. It was, it was a terrible game, like all around. Um, 
But after the game, he was talking and he was very calm. And Kalen, he actually said, like, you know, it wasn't the best game, but I think our guys did a lot of really good things. And I was like, who is this person? <laughs> who, who are you? So I'd like to see that. And that makes me want to, to like him more. And I don't think Notre Dame's going to get rid of him. I don't think they're going to, you know, his, his time really isn't limited there. Um, because again, he can get you all those wins. Is he great in big games? No, but again, I can't say that that's because of him. I, I just think that Notre Dame will be limited on recruiting and the talent they're able to, to get until some standards are lowered a little bit. So overall, I've come to terms with Brian Kelly and I'm fine with Notre Dame keeping them for as long as they want to. Do you want them to lower their standards in order to be a national championship um, as a f- or juggernaut every year? Yeah, so as a fan, yes. But I have to clarify this because obviously I did not attend Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. So I always feel bad saying that they should, well, you know, they should lower standards or they should uh, join a conference for good. Like, and and I, I believe both of those things for their own good, for their own athletic, you know, um, benefit. But academically, I know people that went to Notre Dame and they are very against both of those things. So to me as a fan, sure, like do all that. I want to see them competitive. I want to see them be a powerhouse again. You know, when they're ranked number three, I want it to be for a legitimate reason. Right. Not because have the teams (laughs) haven't played yet. Yes. Um, So that's what I would love. But I respect the the people who went there who say, no, we can't do that. Um, You know, so I don't know. Fan, yes. As far as like alumni go, they are not on board with it. So, so, so why are you a Notre Dame fan? Um, well, my, my uncle went there. He was, uh, he was a fullback and you know, he was really good around here. He went to uh, Kennedy and in, in Warren, and this was back in like the eh, maybe late sixties, early seventies. And, um, he, he went on a full scholarship to Notre Dame and, my family is Catholic and my mom and, you know, her whole family has always been Notre Dame fans. My dad and, you know, my brother, they're big Ohio state fans. So I, I actually started off as an Ohio state fan who always, you know, sort of liked Notre Dame, but probably within the, I think in the last like five years or so, I sort of became a much bigger Notre Dame fan than Ohio state fan. So was it because of Urban Meyer? It very much was. <laughs> what, if Urban, what if Urban Meyer ends up at Notre Dame? I can't because that was because that was his I, dream because that's his I know, dream job. I know, and I hate that so much that that's a possibility. But it is a very it's a possibility. Um, I hate to say that. I would like to think that Urban will just stay retired because I think if he doesn't, the only jobs he would take would be Notre Dame or USC. Those seem to be like the last two on his list that he would really want. Um, I hope it's not Notre Dame because that would really crush my spirits. And it, I mean, it really would, that would be catastrophic for me. Um, but yeah, I, let's just keep our fingers crossed, Caitlin, that that does not happen. Hey, look, I'm all about chaos. So I, I would, I would absolutely <laughs> love it. Like if it's, not, if it's not, if it's, if it's not like, cause I guess UFC, USC, but man, like what a, 
what a hilarious situation USC is in. They had Cliff Kingsbury basically as their head coach in waiting. And then mm-hmm. Arizona comes in and like, yeah, no, mm-hmm. you're going to be our NFL head coach. Tough scene. But you know, I, I think, and he was just fired by Houston, but Bill O'Brien back to college. I could see that happening. Mm. Cause I don't see him in the mm. NFL again. Oh no, I don't. I think he's, he's done. I don't think anyone would hire him. So, um, I think I don't want to waste any, any more of your time. So I think uh, that'll do Caitlin, it. Caitlin, excuse me. You never waste any of my time. This well, was a pleasure. Well, you know, you know, we're, we're, we're busy people. I understand that <laughs> at, at <sighs> almost 10 o'clock at night. Um, you know, I'll let you shout out your, uh, your Twitter, your podcast, obviously, you know, the website and, and all that fun stuff. Yeah. So, um, you find me on Twitter at, at bird's eye view. Um, Let's see, the podcast, That's What Be Said. Uh, me, Bree, and Meredith talk about Cleveland sports every week. It's a good time. You should check it out. Caitlin comes on sometimes. We're going to have to have you on again soon, by the way. Hey, I'm um, going to clip this and, and hold yes. you guys every, every <laughs> single week. It's like, oh, yeah, remember this, by the way? <laughs> um, and Girl Gang Cleveland, uh, or Girl Gang Clee, that's uh, a website. Our podcast lives there. Sometimes we'll put, you know, different articles about life or sports. Um you follow that on Twitter at Girl Gang Clee. Uh, right now we're doing early voting contests, so make sure to, to follow the instructions and send us pictures of your stickers to, to enter to win um, some prizes, which is fun. And yeah, that's all I have to shout out. And you also have the merch, right? Where, oh, yeah. Where can, where can people find the merch? So they can find it actually on our website. If you just go to the merch place, it'll take you right to um, Jenna's Etsy page, which is where all of our merch is sold. Awesome. awesome. Good stuff. And I think that'll do it for this episode of Crunch Time with Caitlin. You could follow me on Twitter at Caitlin O'Cele. That is Caitlin, K-A-T-E-L-I-N, knows K-N-O-W-S-C-L-E. And I will see you in the next episode. <laughs>